Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Jared Sutton, Midwest Regional Scout and also analyst for the SEC Network covering college basketball. Got a great chat with him coming up in just a little while from right now, so don't miss out on that. Short show today due to a lot of stuff going on, but we'll be back next week with our full hour-plus-long program, so I hope that uh, you can join myself and Thomas Bridges for that. We'll give you all our thoughts as we look ahead to the Super Bowl and uh, all that comes with that uh, and also look back on uh, the Chiefs season and, and uh, what you need to know heading into uh, 2019. So we'll look at that next week on the show. But for now, you get uh, my conversation with Jarrett Sutton and uh, all that coming up here in uh, just a moment from right now as uh, we break down uh, some KU basketball. Look ahead to that KU-Kentucky game, which is coming up this weekend. I'll be making the track over there uh, by car all the way from Lawrence to Lexington. So it should be a fun road trip uh, going down that way. So excited to see that, see how that all plays out. And uh, we'll also get his thoughts on the NBA to Kansas City. Uh, that has been discussed. Jarrett has been on the front lines on that with uh, some great reporting and uh, showing the interest. So he'll go in detail on exactly what this all means, the timetable, the possibilities, what it would take for that to happen. Jarrett's got all the insights on that. And uh, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jared Sutton here on the Jones Report. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the Jones Report. He's a Midwest regional scout right down the road in Kansas City. He also covers college basketball for the SEC Network. It is Jared Sutton who joins us for the very first time on the Jones Report right now. Jared, what's happening? Uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Tyler, thanks for having me. Good to be with you this morning. It's a great time of the year in college basketball. we got the Big 12 SEC Challenge coming up and a lot of good games on the slate. It's been a, been a good year so far. It's been been fun to kind of see where the season's at and hard to believe that february is right around the corner and we're gonna start you know talking march and start talking ncaa tournament here pretty soon this is when it gets good uh, this is the part of the season Jarrett, when we see teams uh, either step up and become elite or we find out who they really are i mean it, it within the next couple of weeks uh we're, we're gonna know who who is legit and who's not uh this is this is a crucial part of the season these next couple of weeks here yeah, it's crucial. You know, I, I think you, you look at the teams around college basketball, um, and yeah, league play, you're in the family, right? You, everybody knows everyone. They know tendencies. They've scouted. Uh, they, they have veteran players that are back that, that people know. Um, but you look at a course of a season, you, you look at it in three chunks, right? You look at it in non-con, conference play, and then ultimately postseason, hopefully. And, you know, the thing about basketball that's so different is you know, a team in November can be completely different come February. That that it, it's fun to watch teams like a South Carolina that was just really bad in non-conference play, and then hit the gas come league play and are at the top of the league standings. But you look at their overall record, and and it doesn't show that this is a team that's a, maybe a team that's got a chance to win games or maybe make a chance at a postseason run. So it's it's interesting to watch that kind of play out as the season progresses. But this is that time of the year where you kind of circle on the calendar these games and mid-January, late January, as kickoff games uh, to February. And it, it starts to shape what a team might be able to be come late in the year and league play into the, the conference tournament and ultimately into the postseason tournament. Jared, before we dive into too much shop, tell us about yourself, man. You're, you're doing some scouting, working for the SEC Network. I mean, you're all over the place. What are some of the things you've been up to, man? Yeah, keep busy. That's for, that's for sure. I, uh, 
I'm working as a, as a color commentator with the SEC Network. This is my fifth year. Uh, I'm on the SEC Plus. Um, so do an array of games on the men's and women's side. Um, and then I work as a Midwest Regional Scout here in, in Kansas City with an NBA organization. Uh, it's my first year with one team. Uh, I've been mostly a consultant over the last two, three years. Um, and then worked in the G League uh, with the Golden State Warriors right out of college um, for my playing days at Missouri back in uh, the Big 12 era. Um, so what's great for me is I was on, a, on the team that was the, the last Big 12 Missouri team before they moved to the SEC. So I still have my tie to the Big 12. I still love Big 12 basketball, obviously from Kansas City. So um, I get to see a lot on the Big 12 side, but I also get to do a lot on the SEC side as well. So it keeps me busy. Um, but ultimately, I, I love it. This is um, this is the best time of the year for me, um, and so much kind of gets learned. It's a sprint over the next few months, um, and it's the grind of college basketball. you got to love it. For the Big 12, it's a sprint to the Sprint Center uh, here in just uh, a little while. That's the right. Big 12 tournament will be here before we know it. Jared, uh, let's start out with that KU squad. Uh, right now, you know, not playing great by any means. Uh, I mean, we, we still are waiting for this team to come out of their shell and, and be uh, fully to their potential. Uh, where, where this team is at right now, Jared, do you think that they are going to get better and Bill Self is going to figure it out, or they kind of just are who they are? What do you make of where this team is at at this point in the season? Well, I look at Bill Self's history, and I look at Bill Self being a Hall of Fame head coach, and it seems like every team he has, whether they're challenged with injury or they're dealing with this Silvio Sosa situation, whatever it might be. I mean, you look back on like the Josh Jackson situation with with the car, the off the floor stuff. He has a great way of limiting distractions and keeping a team focused. And that, that's such a huge thing for a coach. Another thing that's great about Bill Self is his ability to adjust. Uh, his ability to see a game, see his team, see his personnel, being able to draw up a play out of a timeout, being able to go with a, a hot hand, go with a interior player, be a inside presence offensively, or be a shooting team. But ultimately what Kansas is is a team that locks down defensively, closes games out, uh, and does enough to win a game, whether it be pretty or whether it be ugly. And I, I look at a game like the Texas game where, you know, the, it's, a, it's a back-and-forth game. Uh, Kansas doesn't necessarily play poorly, but Texas is right there with a chance to tie or win the game, and, and Kansas gets a stop, and they do it on the defensive end, and they completely blow up a play Texas is trying to run. Um, that, that, to me, is, is why Bill Self is Bill Self, uh, is finding ways to win games. They lose Azubuke. Uh, it's a tough injury, right? He, he's a kid that's just a, a force inside, 70% from the field. You throw it to him in the paint, he's got two feet in the paint, it's over, right? He's, he's improved, too. Uh, he has he not become an, a, a guy that's going to stretch the floor and make outside shots, but he's improved in the fact that he's been so good with his right and left hand, and he was in great shape. I feel for the kid because he was really taking good strides this year. Uh, Diedrich Watson's been great. He's a double-double machine. I knew this was in Diedrich's. Um, nature to be a player that could dominate the paint, to dominate this league, uh, be a guy that could be a player of the year in this conference. I do think with the injury to Azubuke, Diedrich being on the low block, being, being the guy that has to be the guy that catches at the block, catches with his back to the basket, being in the interior player, Diedrich's more of a stretch player. He's a better shooter than what he's shown, right? He's a 26% three-point shooter this year. I think he's a better three-point shooter. I, I think he's a guy that can make shots. I just think he's a guy that it really excels at playing in the pick and roll, playing in space, 
on the on the on the perimeter of the, of the offense, but he's not able to do that now with just where Kansas is at from an offensive situation without the bouquet being out. Um, that's that's the role Diedrich has to play on this team. Devon Dotson, Quentin Grimes, um, those two young players have such bright futures. Devon's had great moments. Quentin's had great moments. I know that those those both those guys have had different moments where they've hit the freshman wall. Um, I think Devon busted through that. I think Devon is a guy that has shown that you know he can make three point shots. Uh, he can score. He uses his speed. He's a great defender. He's a Bill Self point guard, as I would say. I think Devon is very much a, oh, a sound, solid point guard. Quentin Grimes, I just hope can can push through that wall because I still think, as you touched on, you know, where's this Kansas team going to be? I still think Quentin Grimes is going to have a game. Uh, similar to, to what he had at Iowa State, where it's going to be a quiet game, but it's going to be a game where he has 18, 20 points, shoots it pretty well, and takes advantage of opportunities and is aggressive, right? It, that's, that's where Quentin's got to get to, where he can get to a place where he doesn't think, where he can just play, where he can play like he did in high school when he was an All-American, just play free and, and not worry about anything else. Um, yeah, Ochai Baji, a kid that went to my high school here in Kansas City Oak Park, uh, love the kid, great character, tough, gritty. Another guy that I think fits Bill Self. <laughs> he, he does the little things. He can shoot it. He's a great athlete. He can play above the rim. But he's going to do every little thing you can, you can want on a floor for a freshman. He's, he knows the only way he's going to get on the floor is to do the little things and play tough. So when you have guys like that and you have a guy like Marcus Garrett, who is an outstanding finisher around the rim, starting to find his jump shot a little bit maybe, those are all pieces that can, can mold together as the season goes along. So I, I like where Kansas is at. You know, they're 16-3. and three. They had a tough loss at West Virginia, a loss that, that they didn't close, right? And, and typically, they, Kansas closes games out. That's a game maybe that might help Kansas. That's a game that they might look to in film and learn from and really learn from, particularly Devon Dotson, you know, being a point guard to go get the ball in that situation. Young players sometimes fall in love with, you know, fall victim of the moment, I should say. And, and, and Devon's a guy that, that can go get the ball and, and go make a play. And I'd rather have Devon go into the rim in that situation. So those type of situations aren't necessarily bad situations. They lose a the game. But it's a situation you can learn from and, and, and hopefully uh, can improve your ball club as conference play continues down the line. Jared Sutton joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Jared, uh, with, with the talent that's there and you know, going back to the four-guard lineup that uh, Bill Self was forced to go into with uh, Yudoka Azabuki being out for the rest of the season, uh, we, we've seen you know him run this lineup with Marcus Garrett in there and Grimes and, and, and those guys, but Ochai's minutes keep getting increased, so does K.J. Lawson, some of these other guys. Do, do you think this lineup's here to stay, or do you think that Bill might toy with this before uh, we get to March when it, when it gets serious here uh, throughout these uh, next few weeks because there's still time to adjust if uh, if he doesn't like what he sees. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think with, with the way things have gone so far, um, and, and yeah, the injury to Doke has changed up different lineups and given guys opportunities. Um, obviously, Ochai was redshirting, and, and you pull that redshirt, and clearly Ochai was ready. They liked what they saw in practice. I don't think Bill Self would have just um, you know, taking away the redshirt for Ochai if he wasn't showing things that he needed to show in practice. So that that's a good sign. I, I think there's every coach, you know, when, when you look at their, their team, where they're at, you don't want to mess with a lineup that's working, um, a rotation that's working. Um, maybe it's a different lineup where it's a six-man off the bench that fits that lineup, you know, in closing moments of games or, you know, what lineups work well in certain situations. 
Bill Self's going to know that. They have the data on that. They're going to capture that and, and understand who they want to have on the floor at specific times. But I do think it's interesting that K.J. Lawson has been getting some, some more time. I, I think, you know, Marcus Garrett has been more aggressive. Um, you, you know, look, in a Kansas lineup with Kansas personnel, you've got to be able to be productive and you've got to be able to do things defensively to help Kansas win games. And Bill's going to find the right guys and, and push the right buttons that accomplish that. That's, that's what he does. And I don't think this lineup's set. I, I think there's pieces of the lineup that are set. I think Lawson and Vic are two guys that have to carry this team, make good decisions, be productive, be consistent, most importantly. But I think a guy like Devon Dotson and Marcus Gear and Ochaik Baji are sort of your X factors because those are guys that can change complexities of games, whether it be on the offensive end or defensive end. Marcus Garrett does so many different things that, that I love defensively. I, I've always loved that about Marcus. It's why he plays. It's why he plays 30 minutes a game is, is what he's able to contribute on the defensive end that completely changes the game. And, and, it's, and, and he is a good finisher. He is, finishes with contact. He absorbs contact well. He has a great layup sequence of different combo moves at the rim. And he can make contested tough shots, and he can finish through contact. That is, that is, a, that is a weapon. That is a guy that you have to have on the floor at specific times. Um, if he can make a jump shot, great. That, that's going to be interesting to see. If Marcus starts making shots, he's going to stay in the lineup, and they're going to continue to adjust accordingly. So I think it's a, 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 not a plug-and-play, but it's let's go with what's working right now, and we have to be ready to adjust on the fly. We have to be able to look at a game if, if, if Ochai is shooting it well, maybe KJ has some good moments. Maybe Devon is running the, the, has the hot hand, and we need to bring Diedrich out of the low block and just play in the pick and roll and clear a side out of the floor and open in the space and open the floor up to have guys create. Maybe that's it. There's adjustments that are going to be made because that's what Bill Self does, and I think that's ultimately why I still trust Kansas to win the Big 12 and ultimately have a good chance to put themselves in a good place seating-wise come March when the NCAA tournament hits. Well, that leads into my next question. I was going to ask with with where this team is at, this this lineup of you know where they are right now. They they might get Silvio de Souza back. You know that's still up in the air. What what, what is the ceiling for this group? Is, is, are they still a national championship contender? Are we talking about uh, you know Final Four, Elite Eight? What what is the ceiling you think with this group right now? Well, I think you, you look at where college basketball is at, and and you look at the teams that are out there. And look, I, I thought Kansas. You go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of the year, um, and and the game that they beat Michigan State, right? And great guard play from from Quentin Grimes and Devon Dotson. And you, what we were saying at that time was, man, these guards are really good. And this is man, Bill Self has these freshman guards that are going to be outstanding. They are good players. They've had freshman lulls. Every freshman goes through that. That's part of it. Certain freshmen can push through it quicker than others, but those two guys are are guys that. I still look to as being very important pieces of this team that are going to have, I think, better moments come February, moments of more consistency, moments of more production on both ends of the floor because they're, they're, they're at the end of that freshman year. They've now been through it. They've gone through practices. They've had the, the mental hurdles and the adversity. And, you know, I think as a freshman, you're, you're in your own head, right? You're thinking too much. You're, you're trying to limit mistakes. You, you want to do all these little things right, and you forget of what made you the player you are. And, and I think that's, that's the whole adjustment for a freshman, adjusting to the speed of the game, understanding what you can and can't do at the college level and at the Big 12 level. It's very different. Um, 
where this team's at in, in March. Are they a Sweet 16, Elite 8 team, Final Four team? I still think that remains to be seen. Um, they still have to have some of these pieces really solidify themselves. I think they're a team that's going to be there. They're a team that obviously, yes, can make it to a Elite Eight Final Four again, but they're going to have to continue to do what Kansas does in years past where they hit a, a portion of their schedule and take off and build and get consistency and have game after game after game where they're getting that same level of production on both ends of the floor. They've been in neck-and-neck games a lot this year. They've found ways to win. They've found ways to come back in games. I think that's good. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's good to just blow teams out by 30 all the time. Yeah, you'd love to see that. That's a great sign. Sure, everybody wants to win big. But I do think there's something to be said about being in games that are close, that are neck-and-neck, neck, that are games you have to fight and scrap in. Because I do think that builds your character, that builds a team's morale. It gives you that sense of foundation of, hey, we've been here before. And that's what March is all about, is being in those moments, moments, but also being comfortable in those moments late in games and games where you might be down and find ways to win games. That's where Kansas has always been very good. So I do think, yes, they can go to an Elite Eight Final Four, but they got to figure out things right now to continue to build them into February and ultimately into March. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've, I've heard Bill Self say many times in the past how much when he was playing, how, how much it helped him in his Oklahoma State teams of those grind games they dealt with compared to their rival Oklahoma, who was just blowing out teams all the time. That didn't really help them to play some physical games. And you can see that with uh, this Kansas team uh, where they're at right now. Jared Sutton joining us here on the Jones Report. Jared, uh, l- let me ask you, when you look at this SEC Big 12 championship, this weekend KU and Kentucky going off head-to-head how do you feel about this matchup uh, as KU travels to Rupp Arena uh, still looking for their second uh, road win of the year they only have one so far that was against Baylor a couple weeks ago yeah it's gonna be a, a tough ball game right this is a, a, a ball game that Kansas won at Kentucky um, a few years ago and you know I, I look at this team uh, that of Kentucky they just beat Mississippi State by 20 plus at home and they're playing some of their better basketball right now. You look back at that, again, first game of the year, Kentucky getting blown out by Duke. Look at where they're at right now. I mean, they're getting great play from Tyler Harrow, P.J. Washington. Um, I think Ashton Hagens has come along pretty well. He's playing more minutes. Um, and then Keldon Johnson's a pro. I mean, he is a legit combo guard, versatile, athletic, explosive, and a shot maker. Um, and that's the, that's the key with this team with Kentucky is, and they're, they're a three-point shooting team. Keldon and Tyler do a great job of getting open, uh, creating off the bounce, shooting off the bounce. Uh, but P.J. Washington is still, I think, the, the, the straw that stirs the drink, right? He is the guy that is solid defensively. He's a forward that impacts the game around the rim, whether he's blocking shots or not blocking shots. He's just a presence. He's athletic. He can pass. He can screen and roll, play in the pick and roll. He can face up. And they have Reed Travis, who's a transfer from Stanford, who is a very good player. I mean, he's a guy that was a double-double type of type of option for Stanford, and he's a role player for this Kentucky team. And I think this team is trying to try to figure out those roles. Um, and they've tried to really solidify what their rotation has been. Um, I, I saw them against Louisville, and that was kind of a, a, a coming-out part because it was a rivalry game, and they had some guys step up and make plays. Tyler Harrow was great in that game. Keldon Johnson was great in that game. And those guys have been playing pretty consistent since then. Um, they beat Mississippi State soundly. Mississippi State's a, a, a team that has a pro in Eric Coleman, 
Um, they have Quindary Weatherspoon is a veteran, veteran guard, one of the better guards in Mississippi State's history. And Kentucky took it to them um, the other night. And so and Mississippi State's a good team. They're 14 and 14. They're a good ball club. And they're a veteran group. And Kentucky took the fight to them. So I, I think Kansas has, has got to understand they have to weather the storm in this game. What I mean by that is Kentucky might get out on a hot start, and, and Kansas might find themselves down at, at some point in this game. How, how do you respond, right? And Kansas can respond. They've shown that. They have experience to respond when their backs are against the wall. I like that. They're going to have to have great play from Lawson. Um, LeGerald Vick is going to have to be LeGerald Vick where he can make shots, be consistent, make the right decision, make the right play. Those are important pieces of this game. Um, you'd like to see the guards step up in a game like this. Devon Dotson, a big assignment uh, because there's a lot of length on this Kentucky team. Uh, they have the size advantage. But the reality is I think Kansas has a system and a style where they can play inside out, and if they have some guys that can step up and make some shots, they can get some bench production from, from Ochai Baji off the bench. If Kansas can have a good night where they're making shots and they're getting production, not just solely from throwing the ball to Dieter Lawson, and they're getting some other guys to step up and LeGerald's having a, having a day like we've seen LeGerald have, Kansas is going to have a chance to win this game. And, and ultimately, I think it, it, it's still a game that's going to be there for Kansas with 10, 8, 6 to play where they need to get some stops and they need to get a bucket and they need to get some sort of play going to the rim. I still think Kansas can be in this game and win it. Uh, but it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a dogfight, two really good teams. Um, I've been looking forward to this one. And, and ultimately, it, it, the team that, that, that wins this game is, teams, is a team that is going to limit turnovers, get to the free throw line, and really impose their will on both ends of the floor. Uh, from a possession standpoint, and, and we'll see how it plays out. No doubt, no doubt about that. Uh, Jared, uh, let, let me ask you the uh, pro potential uh, on this that we're going to see in this game uh, come Saturday. There, I mean, there's some NBA players uh, on both these rosters, uh, I mean, pretty much when you look at uh, both squads. Uh, what, what stands out to you? What individuals do you think have the uh, best pro potential of what we're going to see uh, come Saturday night? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Kendall Johnson's a player that's probably going to be there in the lottery um, this summer. He's, he's a terrific guard. He's 6'6", with great length, uh, polished player, good explosiveness. He's skilled, um, a shot maker, and a guy that can do a lot of things, playmaking, going to the rim, creating for others. I would say he's a guy that, that's probably, um, you know, the one player that I, I see being a first-round selection and also a selection that's probably going to be up there at the top. Um, with just his overall abilities to, to impact the game on both ends of the floor. Uh, other players, I think, you know, P.J. Washington um, in, is, is a really good player. He's, he's built a great foundation. You'd love to see uh, Azubuke play in a game like this against a guy like P.J. Washington and against a guy like Reed Travis. Um, I do think Diedrich Lawson is a pro. I, I, I think a team is, is, is definitely going to look at him and his skill set. He's versatile. He's, he's got length. He's a coach's kid. So he's got a high basketball IQ. Those are little things I think that go a long way um, is the fact that he, I think he's a very smart player. And I think he just understands how to score. He has a knack and an ability to find ways to get angles, to get space. Uh, he's got a great skill set. He's got great footwork. So I, I really like Diedrich in this game. You know, I, I think there's a lot of not maybe pro players that are pro players right now, but maybe pro players into the future. Um, you know, I think Ashton Hagens and, and Tyler, are guys that have built good foundations. Uh, I still think they're very young. I, I still think they, they have more to give and more to develop. I think Quentin Grimes, Devon Dotson are two guys 
um, that that can be pro potential players. I, I think they're they're right there. I don't think they're ready yet. I, I think they still need to continue to build, continue to grow, to can continue to find ways to improve themselves and understand the speed of the college game and, and how to implement themselves into a role and be consistent. That's so important. Um, and I, I do think with Devon, yeah, he's undersized, but he's got great speed and he's a great defender and he's a guy that can make some shots and create and make, and make plays. So those are guys probably down the road. Ochai is going to be in that conversation. I mean, he's obviously very young. It's too soon for him, but Ochai is six, five and he's a shot maker. Um, and he's a great athlete and he's a guy who can space the floor and do, do, do a lot of different things from a versatility standpoint, which is everything the league is, is bringing versatility. Yeah. It's a, it's a league that has length and size and sure. If you're six, eight, six, nine, it can handle the ball and put the ball on the floor. Yeah, you're probably going to stand out. But there's also places in the league for guys that are elite in one area or maybe two that can stand out and play a role. That's really what you look for in guys in that second round. And there's some guys in this game that are going to be in that place. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Jared Sutton joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Jared, uh, when you look at the Big 12 as a whole, uh, the talent that's in this league, whether you go from K-State with Dean Wade and Barry Brown uh, on down to uh, guys like, you know, Brady Maddock at Oklahoma or, uh, you know, Shayok at Iowa State. I mean, just whatever. There's a lot of talent in this uh, Big 12 league, a lot of good college players. What if what of or if any of these guys can can translate to the NBA? Who do you see as potential NBA potential uh, in the in the Big Twelve this year? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a league that has had the respect of putting in great talent, great players, tough players um, into the NBA game. Um, look, the NBA is a, is a tough league to make it in. Um, I look at a guy like Barry Brown, who's one of the better defenders in the Big Twelve that is a guy that can play a role. Um, look at Javon Carter um, with Memphis, a guy that, you know, some people thought Javon Carter couldn't play in the league. Well, guess what? He was tough and he could defend. And that got him to the league. And he's a great story. You know, I mean, obviously with Kansas, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason, I think Steve McKayluke is obviously going to have a great NBA career. They love him in L.A., what he's able to do. Um, you know, I, I, I look at a guy like, like Dean Wade who – was the preseason player of the year pick in the Big 12, a guy that could play a role. But right now, coming back from injury, he's had injury issues. Um, he's a guy that can play a role at the next level because he's a shot maker. He's so efficient, and he's skilled, and he's versatile. Yeah, he's not the alpha dog that you were accustomed to seeing on a college team, but he can play a role. He can play off a primary point guard. He can come off the bench and be a shot maker in the corner and be a three-point weapon. Um, you know, guys like that are, are kind of what I see from the league. I think Jarrett Culver's probably the best pro in this league. Um, he's had great moments this year. He's had moments where he has struggled, but I, I really like Jarrett Culver a lot. I, I think he's, I, I saw him in Kansas City uh, earlier in the year in the CB Hall of Fame Classic and was just so impressed with how much he's grown from a year ago um, and in a totally different role. Um, Sagaba Kanate is a shot blocker, rim protector, great frame at 6'8", um, to, to come off the bench. Uh, he hasn't played, obviously. Um, he's a guy that's probably going to be in that list uh, of guys to look for. Um, so, again, good players. I, I think you look at the Texas group, that's probably got some of the better pro potential players, Jackson Hayes being one. You talk about potential 6'11", um, with great length and explosiveness, explosiveness and athleticism. I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um, he's a guy that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because he's not putting up the numbers you were, you're accustomed to seeing. 
but he fits the NBA model and he, he's got the NBA frame and he's got all the intangibles to have that ceiling be reached with so much potential right now that teams want to get their hands on. I mean, that, that's a huge part of this. Um, so, again, those, those guys, I think Kerwin Roach could be maybe a late second-round selection. Um, he's gotten better over the course of his career. Um, there, there could be a chance for him to go to summer league. And, and, and similar to some guys that we've known in the past that go to maybe get a late second-round selection or don't get drafted at all, but get selected to a team after the draft to go to summer league and be invited to camp. There's some guys in the Big 12 that are going to be there. Uh, similar to a guy like Ker- Kerwin Roach, I think that's the guy that could be in that same conversation. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's fun to watch these guys uh, as, as entertaining the league has been this year and the past several years. Uh, would love to see nothing more than them to translate and become uh, really good NBA players. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Jared, uh, you have been all over the uh, talk about the NBA in Kansas City and and the possible interest there. Uh, here we are, you know, late January. What is the, uh, the the latest of this situation. What's what's you know the the arena's there. Sprint Center is totally capable of of, of ho- hosting an NBA team. What's the uh, interest level like uh, as of right now? Possibly having the NBA in, in KC. Yeah, so I, I I still think we're in the, those phases where um, there there are things being done right now. Currently, um, there's there's a group here um, that is is working behind the scenes on just looking at avenues. Um, for number one ownership potential, uh, number two um, league expansion. When is that taking place? It's probably going to be 2023 into 2024. There is an early opt-out period. Um, we do believe that the NBA is going to expand, uh, and that is that is going to be happening at some point. When that is, that's probably going to be when the CBA is up and the collective bargaining agreement gets renegotiated. Um, that's that's always going to be a topic of conversation. Seattle is going to be in the conversation, obviously. That, that's, a, that's a market that is always going to be in the conversation when you talk about a, a city getting an NBA franchise. Um, obviously, the Sonics leaving uh, Seattle's great market, but the biggest thing with Seattle is having a venue for that and having a NBA facility uh, and, and then building a new arena and not just renovating Key Arena. That's something that the league is going to look at. If you look around the landscape, and yes, the NBA is wanting to continue to expand globally. So Mexico City is in this conversation. I believe that, and, and we believe that players' association is probably not going to go for that. Um, yeah, the NBA wants to continue to grow and have games in London and, and build the brand, right? That's what the NBA does such a great job of. But when you look at an actual franchise, what are those markets that jump out to you for expansion? To me, it's Seattle, it's Las Vegas, it's Kansas City, it's Louisville. Um, there's some other markets that are obviously always going to be thrown in that, that, that hat. But where Kansas City sits right now with the Sprint Center, with no tenant in it, a, a facility that was, is not all, all that old, it'll need a facelift at some point, it's ready to go. It's in a town that is a passionate sports town. Um, there's so many conversations to be had around that. Uh, will it support it? I believe so. The support of supporting Kansas City, the Royals, the Chiefs, I mean, the Royals were one of the worst teams in baseball at the All-Star break last year, and Kansas City still was a top-five uh, market uh, as far as TV ratings were concerned. That's the passion of this town from a sports perspective. That's something the NBA wants. And, and the NBA model, too, as far as travel and as far as where the, the landscape is for Kansas City and Seattle to make the West and East add one more team to 32, it makes so much sense in regards to how the league would operate. Um, ownership's always going to be important. Um, obviously, there's got to be some local tie into that. 
Um, it needs to be probably an ownership group, we, we, we're, we're thinking, but there's things that are, are taking place that make me feel very optimistic. When we, we started this journey back in May at the Combine, you know, I was speaking to some executives, and it was overwhelming at different pe- folks that would say, oh, absolutely, Kansas City deserves a team. Yeah, they're, the, they're a market that's ready to go. Uh, it's, only, it's only a matter of time. All these different comments that made me think, I don't think the city of Kansas City understands how attractive they are to the NBA as far as what makes sense from a, from, from a team perspective, putting a team in Kansas City. Different executives around the league that come to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament, for the Hall of Fame Classic, they see Sprint Center, they see the support of basketball, they see Power and Light District right there, they see how this, this community really embraces its teams. The airport re- renovation project is huge for this. Getting the airport completed is, is a massive step for the NBA, actually, all those things matter. Um, so it's in the early phases, but I, I feel more optimistic now than I did back in May of, of where this thing's going and where it's headed. Um, and there's some things on the horizon that, um, that I think could, could really change the landscape of this and really make this uh, uh, something that's really possibly could pos- potentially happen. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But the reality is Kansas City is a logistical, uh, realistical market for NBA expansion. And it's something that Kansas City has to be ready for when that moment happens. And with the streetcar, the expansion of the streetcar, all those things play a factor in here. And, and it really could be something that could be really special for the city come down the road three, four years from now. Well, and the argument that's been made by Kansas City folks for years was, you know, hey, uh, nobody cares about the NBA. This is a college basketball town. You don't care because you don't have a team. That's what it right, is. Right. Um, the way they support college basketball, an NBA team would be uh, very successful here. Ask Oklahoma City how much they cared about the NBA before the Hornets and the Thunder showed up and how popular that's been uh, for those folks down there. So, yeah, that's a great point. Ownership also, you, you mentioned that about forming an ownership group. That's been another cause con- for concern was many billionaires just sitting around that could afford an NBA team. Uh, if an ownership group of some sorts can come together, this could be done. And really, that's the future uh, of sports ownership in general is more ownership groups that, you know, with as, is as expensive as getting, you can't rely on one or even two individuals to uh, run an entire professional sports organization anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's also a, a persona, right? It's the stigma of, you know, maybe there's someone out there that doesn't really look at kids, doesn't really understand what actually is there from a business perspective of how successful this could, could really be. Because you look at the NBA, I, I always use the Milwaukee Bucks as an example. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks were a failing franchise, and they get Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it completely changes their franchise. Their season ticket packages have been sold through the roof. They've gotten a brand new facility. They've gotten a brand new arena. And this fear of the deer in Milwaukee is a massive thing. And they have the Green Bay Packers not far. They have the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they compete with Chicago um, in that specific area of the country. And, you know, it, it, it just goes to show you, too, where basketball is in this country and the excitement of the NBA. And like you said, I don't think – Kansas City residents really understand that how different it would be if we actually had a team and you're going to an NBA game on a Wednesday night to see the New Orleans Pelicans and see Anthony Davis and see all these guys that an NBA game is so different than a college game. I love college basketball. I grew up on college basketball. I grew up in Kansas City. I, I grew up with the, the Big 12 at Kemper. I, I, college basketball for me is, was my favorite thing. 
And now working in the NBA and seeing the NBA product and seeing an NBA game, it's unbelievable. It, it, it truly is the best of the best in this in this in the world too, because this game has grown so much in Canada and overseas. Look what Luka Doncic is doing in Dallas. I mean, the game has evolved from in such a global way that you're seeing the best players on the planet and some of the best athletes in the world when it comes to being a six ten freak athlete that can going to see LeBron James play a basketball game. I was able to do that for the first time this fall. It's totally different. And I think that's what fans don't understand is it, it, to have a team in Sprint Center, to be able to have one player you draft at the Giannis on the Kumpo type, it changes your whole complexity of your team. And you have a downtown team that this, that this city has wanted. They've wanted a, a, a team downtown. This gives you that opportunity as well. I, I understand the concerns, too, about the college side of it with Mizzou, Kansas, K-State, right in this Kansas City market. I, I don't think it, it, it competes with those schools. I really don't. I think it's a different product. It's exactly. a different brand. And it doesn't compete with the – the college game is so sacred. It's different than the NBA game. It's two different things that I don't think there would be that competition there. And I think that, again, all these little blocks that we've had to you know, push down and, and boxes we've had to check, all those things I think are, are stigma in, your, in the back of your mind of, oh, well, this would, be, this would compete. But when you really look at it, when you peel back the onion – it's really not that. and it, it would really be something that could be really beneficial, not just for Kansas City, but the surrounding market of Kansas City and what this sports town touches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the Kansas City market's got, you know, close to, you know, 2 million people living in it, but you're attracting fans from both, you know, all four directions to, to make this trip that would give everything just to come to one game. So, yeah, this could work. I'm excited. Hopefully, this all comes together. Jared, you've been all over this and are doing a great job on it. And uh, what a great chat. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll uh, have you on again soon. And uh, we uh, thank you for joining us, man, giving us all the good insights on uh, anything and everything. Thing this uh, this morning. Jared, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Jared Sutton for stopping by. You can check out all his work on Twitter at Jared T. Sutton is where you can follow him there. He's uh, doing a fantastic job covering uh, college basketball and all over the uh, scouting scene and give us some good insights on uh, the NBA to KC, what it's going to take for it to happen, all those details. And uh, we'll be glad to have Jared back on any time. And uh, be back here next week. We'll have a full show for you with all you need to know, getting ready for that Super Bowl, also breaking down some Big 12 basketball, among other things, on next week's show. So hope you join us then when Thomas Bridges rejoins me. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time right here on the Jones Report. Make sure, as always, to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, and uh, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group. You can find us there. Hope you have a great day, a great week. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report.